Coming at you from the Steel City, you're listening to Poor Man's Podcast, Pittsburgh's premier comedy podcast. Your weekly dose of humor hosted by Chris Hopper and with a new special guest each week. And here's your host, Chris Hopper. Woo! Woo! Ladies Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Poor Man's Podcast. I'm your host, Chris. Along with me, not so much as always, but we're in a kind of a different show today. We're doing a hybrid show, and joining me is Sports Guy JP. JP, how are you this evening? I'm doing good. It's uh, an honor to be on the official Poor Man's Podcast. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. We always love to have Sports Guy JP on it. So this will be kind of like a hybrid, like I said. Uh, we were going to have Chad from I will, I'll Call You Right Back podcast. Unfortunately, I had to cancel the podcast yesterday. My son had to go to the hospital. So um, I was in there, had to cancel the show. But luckily, we do another show on Tuesdays with Sports Guy JP. So we're going to do a little bit of that as well as our, well, you know what? Let me hit the rundown. Today, we're going to... Always, like always, we're going to do our beers of the week. We're going to do some sports with Sports Guy JP. We'll review a little bit of the Bengals game. We're going to preview a little bit of the Colts game, some of the Thanksgiving games. JP has his picks. And then, as always, we have uh, the wonderful ladies from Stuff to Do in Pittsburgh with the best events for your holiday week. So I'm excited to listen to that. JP, uh, this week, not this week, I guess, well, this week coming up, I have comedian... David K coming on. Uh, I think he runs a uh, comedy um, place, and we're going to talk to him about stand-up. Uh, he's been around for a while. I had uh, a couple people recommend him, so I'm excited to talk about or talk to him. Uh, we'll be back at 565 Live next week. We are not there today. We're doing this remotely, so uh, but we're always at 565, so definitely stop down there for comedy on Thursdays. I think this week on Wednesday... I mean, they're closed Thursdays because of Thanksgiving, but on Wednesday, they're doing a pre-Thanksgiving day, so stop down there for that. And then on Friday and Saturday, there's always live music, so definitely check them out. JP, let's talk about our beers of the week. I need a beer! Um, I will let you talk about your beer first, and uh, I will taste mine. Have you tried yours yet? No, so this is the first time I'm going for this. I've been uh, kind of on a sour craze the past year or so. I used to never imagine drinking a sour. I was more of a like lager guy, maybe a light, hazy IPA on occasion. But I'd say um, over the course of about a year, I finally developed a taste for sours. So here I got it. It's called Subsurface. It's from a hitchhiker brewing company, a 7%. Uh, smoothie sour with strawberry and pineapple. Oh, okay. Let's open it up and give it a taste. I uh, Strawberry and pineapple, as far as fruit flavors go, definitely two of my favorites, so I'm excited to give this a try. They're, they're really good individually. I don't know that I've had anything pineapple and strawberry solely. Like, you always see um, pineapple and orange. I like that combo a lot. Uh, strawberry and kiwi kind of go hand in hand, but... The pineapple and strawberry that that uh that sounds interesting. JP, have uh, I heard you crack the can? What are your initial thoughts? Um, I would say, mm, let me give another swig. 
Uh, I'm tasting the one that I have as well, and it's very good. So I'm excited to talk about mine. My, I'd say the subsurface is solid. Um, I don't get much strawberry taste though, and I just get a hint of pineapple. So the it's not really a fruity sour, mm-hmm. and um, so the, the flavor is not overpowered by any means necessary. But it's uh, easy to go down, d- definitely smooth as it uh, specifies, n- not uh, too, too heavy on the flavor. And it, it's very drinkable. It's good. I don't think, um, like I said, if you're looking for a strawberry, pineapple, or any sort of specific taste, definitely not my uh, go-to if you're looking for that. But if it's around, it, it goes down easy and... Uh, yeah, I, I would say it, it passes. You actually get, it smells more like the fruit than it actually tastes like it. You know what it might be then with that, JP? Um, you're drinking that out of, out of a can. I wonder if you were drinking it out of, say, a pint glass or a mug or something like that, where the, where the smell, the aroma really came out when you're drinking it. Like when you're taking a sip, you have your nose in it. I wonder if that would give it more of that strawberry and pineapple flavor from the smell. Maybe you're maybe you're doing yourself a disservice drinking it straight out of the can. Yeah, it could be the case. Let me uh, pour some. Maybe if you have that now, JP. I don't remember if you remember um, our flavor rankings. I believe uh, when you came on with Rick Seaback and the Egghead, um, I believe we we did uh, the the flavor rankings for the Guy Fieri flavor rankings. Now, level one, we have Gangster. Level two is Out of Bounds. Level three is Shunt the Front Door. And level four is Flavor Town. Now, if you were to rank Subsurface from Hitchhiker, which let me just say, Hitchhiker is an awesome brewery. Uh, I got to talk to, I believe, Dustin from Hitchhiker um, at Rhythm and Brews, and he was super cool. I always like Hitchhiker. They always put out a really good product, so... JP, if you have to rank your beer, what are we going with this week? Uh, yeah, I would say I'm definitely a hitchhiker guy myself, too. Um, but for this one specifically, I'm going uh, out of bounds here. Um, I mean, it is out of bounds. Yeah, out of bounds. It's definitely drinkable. Um, it's not a sour that, uh, like, one positive thing I'd say is most sours, even when they taste great, um, they can get, like, tiresome if you have let's say more than one, the flavor could get too sweet. I think this is one you could actually go through, you know, maybe a six pack, four to six of them and still feel pretty good about it. Yeah. But I feel like the flavor itself, just the, 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 the ceiling's not very high, so to speak, but it's definitely tasty. So I'm going out of bounds. Out of bounds. I mean, that's, that's pretty solid. Uh, I would like to, I need to try more sours. I like them when, when I taste them, but like that's one of the things that I don't think I could drink more than, say, like a six, like a pint of. Um, I, I like it in moderation. I'm, I'm normally an IPA, uh, specifically hazy IPA. I love them. Um, yeah, I, I, I think you got to kind of get like a variety of pack when it comes to sours and then try like one at a time yeah. and then just see what you like. That's kind of the route I go. Yeah. Um, I I feel like even doing like a flight of sours would be nice, but like I'm saying, like I think that 16 ounce is kind of the limit for me of how much sour I can take at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a taste I didn't like it at first initially, so it's definitely something you got to develop a taste for, and it's definitely not for everybody. 
Yeah. Hitchhiker. I, like, um, I always like the evergreen ones. The sorbettos are really nice. How is, uh, JP, let me ask you this. How is, like, the viscosity of that one? Because you see a lot of the sours sometimes that have almost not like a slushy texture, but almost like a smoothie kind of uh, uh, puree kind of thing. How's uh, the viscosity on that bad boy? <laughs> it does specify that it's a smoothie sour, so it's it's definitely a, a little thick in its taste, but it goes down easy. Um, so it, it's definitely not slushy by any means, but um, uh, I, I would say the texture is uh, a little bit more on, on the thick side, but I wouldn't quite say like smoothie or slushy. I feel like some of these sours would make a pretty good like slushy. Like you see those like mm-hmm. uh, hard slushes that you see at like gas stations or whatever, which is ironic that you're selling alcohol at a gas station, but like something like that. Um, maybe they're not at gas stations, <laughs> but they, they have them. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Bellevue beer, which is right next to a gas station. So I'm, I'm probably just mixing them up. But they have those, and I feel like maybe doing that, um, normally I wouldn't like a frozen thing like that, but maybe that would be kind of good, almost like an Italian ice with it. Mm-hmm. My, my, my go-to sour, I, I like the Trippin' Animals. It's a Florida brewing company, yeah. but uh, I would say that that's like top-notch when it comes to the sours, in my opinion. That's um, one of that's and- one of. Sorry, that's one of the more popular Florida breweries I've seen around here. I I would go to uh, Bellevue Beer a lot. They have that. Uh, D's in Regent Square, I know they have that occasionally. Or actually, probably more than occasionally. They have some good ones. You see that. I mean, obviously, you see the local ones, but that's a more uh, prevalent one you see in western Pennsylvania as far as a Florida beer goes. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too, is that even though I know it comes from Florida, it's highly sold here in PA and... uh, I've only had good experiences with them. I've tried a variety of flavors, and honestly, I think multiple of those I'd consider flavor town worthy. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. Maybe I mean I like doing the local breweries because I want to spotlight the local breweries. But I do feel like maybe some of the beers I see in craft beer places around here, say like a D's or Above You Beer, like uh, that I go to to see because I like those because they have the the singles. They might, I don't know, that they have the greatest. Uh, Dee's has a pretty solid selection, but, you know, um, I need to f- find a couple other places that have them to kind of just get a mixed-up variety. Um, but maybe I will start kind of going to Ohio, some of the, like, Dewey uh, beer in uh, Delaware, I believe, some of these other ones, uh, and branch off from there. Because if you can drink them here, then uh, why not review some of them? But, JP, you said you're going out of bounds? Yeah, Out of Bounds is going to be my uh, final call on the uh, subsurface. Sounds good. Uh, this week, and now I was going to give this to Chad from I'll Call You Right Back as his beer for this week, and I was going to do um, a different one. I think I was actually going to do a Hitchhiker one, so I'm glad I didn't because then we would have done double Hitchhiker. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I like to, like I said, spotlight a couple different breweries. This is not super local as far as Pittsburgh, but it is a Pennsylvania one. It's Pizza Boy. You do see uh, this quite a bit all around. This is one. I actually bought this one at these. I have Pizza Boy. Don't don't hop believing. Uh, you will always get me if you use a pun for your beer. That will absolutely make me grab it off the shelf. It has a really cool label. It has the Journey label kind of with uh, what is that, JP? Do you know? Is that a beetle on the Journey? 
I was going to say beetle, um, some sort of insect. It has the Beetleborg logo. Yeah, obviously it's a uh, take on their uh, one album cover. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So you, you you have that. It's a very recognizable label. Um, Pizza Boy always comes out with some pretty cool names. Uh, you see that a lot in breweries. Like breweries have kind of a sense of humor with a lot of their names. Uh, there's puns. Logyard has a lot of great ones. Pizza Boy. That, that uh, whole, Levity like, has that, great that, names. That whole like don't judge a book by the cover thing can definitely apply to like craft beers in particularly because I find myself at the you know, at the beer store and I'll buy beers strictly because the cane looks cool or something. And then I'm like, wait, this is a double IPA. That's yeah. 9%. I'm not going <laughs> to like that at all, but yeah. the can has, you know, like Michael Myers or some sort <laughs> yeah. of like color scheme. That's sweet. And I just have to have it. Yeah. You, you see that <laughs> you get burnt. If you're a game of Thrones fan, they have those like game of Thrones uh, packs and they always do. They have like an Imperial stout That's 12%. That would make me like, I, I just can't get on board with it. I'm not that much of a. I'm not uh, that a refined of a actually got one of those packs. I forget what exactly the alcohol in it was, but it was like a winter's coming, like White Walker sort of <laughs> yeah. pack. And we had it, and we just both mutually agreed it was like the most disgusting thing we've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> That's the downfall. But like like with the that. look was definitely there. Flavor not so much. That's one of those I'd rather buy and just put on the shelf and, and as a decoration. Right, that's <laughs> the way to do it. Like it, it looks good. I don't. I don't know how much I would enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I. Uh, I'm trying to think of what I'm even doing. Oh, Pizza Boy, Pizza Boy. Oh, I'll tell you what it does do. It does make you burp. Uh, don't not believe in IPA. It's six point seven percent, and this is a rare occurrence. I think. I think I want to go Flavor Town on this. Welcome to Flavor Town. This is a delicious, delicious IPA, and I'm so glad uh, that I, I switched from the beer that I was going to do. Well, I, I say that without tasting it. Maybe it's very good, um, but I'm glad I did drink this. This is Don't Hop Believing IPA. I'm telling you. Welcome to Flavor Town. It's delicious. Uh, what, what separates that, would you say, from, like, let's say, a normal IPA that you would like? You said hazy IPA. Is that... Want a hazy one? Or this is not a hazy. This is just a straight IPA. Um, and that would, you would say that one uh, can hang in there for hazy IPA. Are you judging it as a traditional IPA, or is it better than most hazy ones? To so I I like a hazy IPA as just my preference. I like like a juicy hazy IPA. Um, this one is just that IPA. It's not the hazy, so it's a traditional. I don't like a West Coast IPA so much for me. It tastes herbal piney kind of like that flavor. Um, I like the, the East Coast ones. They're a little bit juicier and stuff um, as far as the, the hazy IPAs. Um, this is, like I said, a traditional middle-of-the-line IPA, kind of like the Dogfish 60-Minute, kind of like the, the baseline Lagunitas IPA. This is delicious, and a lot of those, um, like you, 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 you drink them and you kind of get full almost. Like they, they pack more of a punch, but you can't drink them all day, kind of thing. Um, this one, I could just keep drinking these, and it's six point seven percent. It's it's smooth as they come, and I, I like that. It's it doesn't have like an overly bitter finish. It doesn't have a weird taste on your palate because a lot of people who don't drink IPAs find them kind of abrasive, kind of 
don't like the cat pee smell almost. This is super smooth. Like I, I would, I could drink multiples of these. Under seven percent for an IPA definitely is going to be more so on the smooth, smoother end. For you know, sure, you, you, it's enough to get a bite out of it, but it's not, um, you know, overpowering. Absolutely, that, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think, I think that six and that six point seven is kind of that sweet spot. You see the double IPAs and the eights, like the eight twos and stuff. You see, uh, uh, Southern Tears two time IPA is I think eight point two, um, and that's those are nice doubles. I like I like this at six point seven. It is. It's the perfect balance of smooth and uh, ABV. <laughs> so, as, as someone who doesn't like uh, tune in regularly, let's say when it comes to the judging of the beers, um, do you consider yourself kind of a harsh grader, or are you more lenient, or is this beer just really that that good? It is very very good. I've I. So say for the first year, well, I've probably been using this this, uh, this uh, really sophisticated system of the Guy Fieri, uh Flavor Richter scale for probably going on a year-ish now. I feel like probably I didn't do a Flavor Town until May, so like pretty far. And then I thought, you know what? I'm thinking Flavor Town is only for like the best beer I've ever had. I remember it was... Um, Proper Notch from Log Yard, which is a New England IPA. I believe it's a double New England IPA. It's just the smoothest thing ever. It's And it that packs a punch. But it has such flavor, too. And it's not like that that weird aftertaste. Like I was saying, sometimes in the higher IPA or the higher ABVs, um, they're not as smooth of an aftertaste on your palate. But that one was smooth as hell. Um, that one, um, what other one? Buffy from uh, Helltown, because like I was saying, I think I was being too harsh. So I think I need to have them say Flavortown is 90 and above on Madden, <laughs> whatever, you know. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, fr- uh, that's kind of like the, I don't know if you're familiar with Good Mythical Morning. I'll, I'll check them out sometimes. They do, they will like taste every Oreo flavor treat or something like that and grade it from zero to a hundred. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So like that's kind of just like how I, I would rate things. But if you're doing like a, a four thing system, I feel like I'm kind of like h- harsh on the grading too, so to speak. Okay, I think the grading for this is more accurate to say um, grading in high school or something. So, and I'm not doing the the uh, say say I I think I grade on the 93 to 100 is an A. 92 is a B on my system, okay? I, I, I hold the student to a higher standard. Um, Flavortown is that A. It's that 93 and above. Shut the front door is 85 and up. Uh, JP, you might have to help me with this. What is a C from from those uh, rankings? 75 and up? 75 to an 84 if you're going like... Uh, yeah, like Catholic school. Yeah, sort of okay. Uh, yeah, if we're going for that. And then Gangster is like the D... Um, from 70 and up, but still like 70 and up for this, we're talking like a seven, you know, Coors Light is, is not even, you know, you're failing. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, these are all, you know, pretty good. Um, so, but Flavortown, I, I maybe even say for higher than that, I do want Flavortown to be like the hall of fame, not the hall of very good. Right. That, that makes a lot of sense. So, um, Heinz Ward is a shut the front door. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, uh, all very good in my opinion. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was gonna say too, uh, while we're at it, uh, don't hot believing. Uh, what's uh best journey song of all time in your opinion? Oh, um, oh, what the hell's the one? Oh my god, it's gonna kill me. I'm I'm gonna have to look. I, uh, what which one are you going with? I'm going with faithfully. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I go faithfully. One separate ways might be two. I like separate ways, ways but it's getting so played out now because of uh, um, God. What's the Netflix show? Stranger Things. Oh uh, really? That, that that's one thing I kind of hate about like these shows. Like I I love music and I listen to the same old stuff all the time, and I won't hear that something like. Then I hear like a new generation loves it because it was in a in Euphoria or something. I'm like, oh man, now I can't. I lose all credibility for liking that song. You know what? It is. It it is that. That's what I was thinking. It is separate ways, worlds apart, man. That's uh, the one I went with. But now it's it's played so much that I feel like it's like, oh, you liked it from that, which uh, I feel like is also like one of the douchey things too. Like name three, you know, name three song kind of thing where you're like, okay, you're a dick. Uh, that's what, like, I love Joy Division, and I see now the shirt and the logos everywhere. They've referenced it in, like, 13 Reasons Why. Now it's, like, it seems like I'm part of that generation that likes it because I, yeah. I saw it somewhere or I saw someone with the shirt. It's like, no, I actually have listened to the albums and, like, the music. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I for sure get that. But, yeah, I, I think Stranger Things has kind of made it seem like that, just like that Kate Bush song. Uh, that's played all the time now, uh, climbing up the hill or whatever the hell it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but JP, you you went out of bounds with yours, right? Yeah, I'm so going out of bounds. JP is. I mean, it is out of bounds. And mine is. Welcome to Flavor Town. And I can't recommend it enough. Definitely check that out. Uh, I got it at D. Stop at D. Stop at Bellevue Beer. Stop at whatever your local brewer or beer distributor is. Stop at the breweries. Um, Sierra Sellers is at Fermata Brewery, I believe, on Wednesday. I might try to stop down to see that. JP, have you ever listened to Sierra Sellers? Oh, yeah. She's absolutely fantastic and incredible singer. Uh, I, I've, I've actually met her um, a few times. Great person, beautiful woman, just uh, the whole package. She, 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 she's going to make it. I really do believe that. Hell, yeah. I agree 100%. She, she is the best. You, you love to see good people uh, succeed. Now, JP... Let's get into some of the sports talk before we talk stuff to do in Pittsburgh. I, like I said, um, I actually missed the game because I was in Children's Hospital, which kind of as a, as a side note, let me just say, um, all the men and women that were working at Children's Hospital, the doctors, the nurses, all great staff, all took very good care of us, all took very good care of my son. Can't thank them enough. Um, everything there was fantastic, top-notch. Um, I did, however, when I was leaving, uh, crossing Penn Avenue. Is that what it is, Penn? Uh, there was a rat hopping across the street, which was uh, yes, super, super nice. Um, and by the way, driving back down Penn Avenue uh, towards uh, Point Breeze, the guy always parked in front of the Evergreen. John Binley, was, we were talking to him about that, that, that guy always uh, parked in front of the Evergreen. JP, you ever run into that problem? Yeah, all, all the time. If you drive down down Penn Avenue, there's always a guy there, and ironically, he's also the only person that's ever inside of that. <laughs> that has to be the owner, right? There's nobody else with <laughs> with enough like audacity. Yeah, that, that, that's, 
That's what I'm assuming. That there's no way they'd block off traffic for a customer <laughs> on a regular basis. Now, if but, uh, if the customer brought his own flag, do you like that or do you dislike that in a person? Because that's like I I hate that, but also like that's hilarious if you would do that. I feel like you, you gotta find your own place to park. Then it's like it's such a pain if you're driving down at the last minute. You gotta change lanes. Um, you know, people aren't as generous normally on the road. It can be difficult to get in the other lane just to switch back over. And it's right next to a side street. Just park your car on the side street. <laughs> You're absolutely right about that. And that was what was killing me the yesterday or whenever I was driving by it. Um, you're on a corner, man. You just tuck around and you're out of the way. You're just out of the way. And it's not like it's, it's not a busy street. Like Penn Avenue, I'd say what? It has to be one of the top five busiest streets in Pittsburgh, if not number one. Like you have to have fifth Forbes probably up there. Um, but I think Penn, I mean, for how long it stre- it stretches, it has to be one of the busiest streets. Why are you parking there, man? Yeah, that's like the, the, the biggest, like, power move it's like yeah i'm just gonna block off this side of traffic because i have to park my car exactly here it's like uh, okay buddy that's the rules don't change because you work at the evergreen like what could you possibly be doing it's not like you're unloading cargo like i don't know park on the side you can't get a sign that says evergreen parking what it, it, it's laziness that that's what it is just uh. Oh, geez. Whatever. We're, we're digressing too much. Let's talk about uh, some other Pittsburgh news. Other yeah, than the we're, Evergreen. We're giving the Evergreen too much publicity. Yeah. Don't go to the Evergreen. <laughs> the, <laughs> the anti-sponsor. We're telling you where not to go. <laughs> um, but, JP, I like I said, I, I did not get a chance to watch uh, the game because I was in the hospital. But... Uh, I'm going to ask you some questions, and, and we're going to find out what you think. So it's Steelers, Bengals. Now, from somebody that just sees the box score, 30 to what, 37, that seems pretty decent. What what are your main takeaways from, from the game? Well, the score was competitive, but I feel like the play on the field didn't necessarily reflect that. Yeah. Um, Steelers played well in the first half of the game, putting up 20 of their 30 points um, alone in the first half. Um, Najee Harris was able to get some things going on the ground with 90 total yards and two tutties. Um, but again, I feel like the defense this week, uh, failed the offense. Offense was efficient enough in the first half and put up a garbage time touchdown late. But I mean, they're spending $108 million on defense and, uh, quite frankly, they couldn't slow down the Bengals at all. Who is without their best player in Jamar chase, uh, Joe Mixon left early, and despite that, and despite this offensive line that's been a struggle all year for Cincinnati, Steelers couldn't find a way to get the Bengals off the field. And, uh, I mean, that's man up to mentality. And uh, small J.P. Ryan delivered with three touchdowns for the Bengals. And, again, it's just another Steeler loss. And really what it is is just th- there's really no excuses around it. Steelers are just a bad football team. And uh, it's a league where every team in the past, let's say, three or five years has either played well or has, I think, at least trended well in the right direction. However, the Steelers, on the contrary, I feel like just have never found a way to um, develop the way the other teams have. And uh, I think it it showed so in this divisional matchup this week. Now, Um, 
Now, uh, there was a quote from Bengals' Jermaine Pratt that says the Steelers like to do the same plays over and over. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's what I was about to allude to next is uh, Pratt, like we said, same stuff over and over again. Even as a viewer at home, I see the same thing. It's end arounds. It's uh, let's hit Zach Gentry in the flat. Let's uh, let's do a level routes where Pickett's on a rollout and we have three receivers all going to the outside and he hits the guy that's the most open. And that's me as a viewer watching this at home. Of course, the guys and coaches and players in the NFL are going to pick up on that thing immediately. Um, as a matter of fact, the offense in the second half only produced one first down on 52 yards mm-hmm. um, outside of the garbage time touchdown at the end. And uh, again, I don't know if it's a poor coaching decision by Tomlin in Canada or if these players just aren't picking up an offense to where you can develop more plays. And either or, it's not a recipe for success. If the coaches aren't doing it, you need to make a change. And if the players are incapable, well, you really drafted the wrong team. And you need to find the guys and players that can do that. Do you think it's not the players or is it the system? I I, I think a lot of it's a combination of the play calling, the system that uh, Canada has. I think it's a... I, I, I think Tomlin, in a way, has had success, but... I feel like it's wearing out. Sometimes you need a change. I think they need a more offensive-minded, progressive-minded coach. Tomlin and the Steelers aren't much of a study team. It's more of a motivation, motivational speech type of team. Team that will pump you up. Tomlin likes to pump up the team and act on like aggressiveness rather than actually producing an effective game plan, in my opinion. Um, and the players themselves just aren't as dynamic as they used to be like. They don't have a Le'Veon Bell here. They don't have Antonio Brown. Um, you know, and you need superstars to win in this league, better coaching. And I don't see it. Like I said, they're spending $108 million on their defense. No team in the NFL is winning games solely on their defense anymore, but teams are from their offense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it just seems like they're sick to old school ways of doing, of uh, managing a football team. And, doesn't work very much anymore. Well, that I, I, that I that kind of gets back to what we were saying before, maybe a couple weeks ago. We don't see defensive minded head coaches very much anymore. You see, like, kind of on the on the up coaches. You see um, Miami with McDaniel's, kind of these newer ones. Um, you see McVay. You see um, in San Francisco, um, uh, Shanahan. You see some of these offensive-minded coaches, even Kevin O'Connell replacing Zimmer, uh, replacing the defensive kind of coaches for a while, Leslie Frazier. These offensive-minded coaches seem to be taking over, and you rarely see these defensive-minded head coaches anymore, at least right. successful. And the the few of them, like, you know, Pete Carroll has done a good job, so has uh, Sean McDermott. But we're not seeing that in Pittsburgh, and I think a lot of it's because those teams – surprisingly have better players than expected. And the Steelers just simply don't. Um, they were, uh, Bengals finished three for three in the red zone this week and they scored touchdowns on drives. Uh, two of them were over 90 yards. Another one, one for 79 yards. Like their teams are moving the football. Cause like I said, like they get a couple of dynamic plays where Watt may get an interception or a sack, but then like, 
just that one turnover alone doesn't elude to many points. Like the perfect example of that was off TJ Watts interception. He had this week. It looked incredible play. He made on the ball. He picked it off. Steelers are already in the red zone and they get a field goal out of it. And mm-hmm. quite frankly, that's expected with a team like this. And when you do that, that's not going to win football games. Yeah. All right. I, I, to, to get just to touch on a couple things. Uh, the, the levels comment you said where they're just running levels. I don't understand. Like, I understand that here and there, but I feel like you're kind of putting a lot of people in the same area and making Kenny Pickett throw the perfect throw. Like, that's just a lot of bodies in the same area. I understand they're like five or ten, seven yards apart. Um, I feel like there's not a lot of room for error there. I feel like they're kind of playing afraid of turnovers and stuff. Like, at this point, they're not going to vie for a contention in the playoffs. Why are we afraid if he turns the ball over? Why are we running the same plays? They were saying they're, they're, the Steelers are running the same plays. Why not try something new? What are you afraid of? Why are you afraid of trying anything? Because the, the same old shit's not working. So try anything. We know this season's kind of a wash. So let's just progress. And just my honest opinion, I think that they made a bad decision these past couple drafts, drafting a running back, despite Najee putting up numbers and playing at a, a Pro Bowl level last year. It's just like the scarcity of the position. You don't need a first-round running back. Kenny Pickett, I, 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 I see him as a higher-end backup quarterback in this league. I It took him five years to finally produce anything at Pitt. I, I just don't see him as a NFL starting quarterback. And Pat Fryer moves to great young tight end. Deontay Johnson can be a one in this league. George Pickens seems to have all the intangibles. You have playmakers. I just think the Pickett pick was just, it, it, it was a reach. You saw Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis slide in the draft. I feel like they arguably, many experts even have them as higher prospects than Pickett. Uh, I feel like this year alone has five quarterbacks at least that are better than Kenny. I just feel like it, it was like it was a stupid pick. It was a feel good pick, and uh, I don't know if you said this is the first time Tomlin's drafted a quarterback. His earliest successes came from what Cower left, and he inherited a Hall of Fame quarterback and a great defense. And he was able to draft some guys like Cam Hayward and T.J. Watt who have delivered. But I don't know. I just I just don't like the direction this team has been. And they don't spend the money in free agents the way other teams do. They're just not as aggressive. And With Tomlin, it almost seems like they, they spend money on the more sexy positions, the more skilled positions versus in the trenches, kind of. Let's build from the front. Like it, I, I feel like since then, like when the Steelers won um, against the Cardinals, that offensive line was trash. Like When they went back to the Super Bowl against the Packers, that offensive line wasn't very good. I don't remember the last time. I mean, they were pretty decent. Uh, with DeCastro and Pouncey for a while, but like I don't really remember them having a dominant offensive line at least from the last four or five years. DeCastro fell off pretty quick, and so did Pouncey. Yeah, and even when you think back to a few years ago, like when they had Roethlisberger, the Killer Bees, A.B., Bell, Ben, even Martavis Bryant and Juju were coming up. Um, they had a good, they had a very good offensive line when they had you know Villanueva, Marcus Gilbert at tackle right. on the end. Right, Pouncey, DeCastro, Foster. That was a solid core there. And then you see them go to the playoffs, and then they lose to Blake Bortles, or they, <laughs> they lose to Tim Tebow. And it's like, there just needs to be a change, in my opinion. I think Tomlin's done a lot of good things, 
but I, I just don't, I, I don't like some of the decisions this team's made and I, I don't see them competitive for at least a few years. And this game against the Bengals, look, the Bengals are going to be way more explosive for the next decade unless there are some major changes in Pittsburgh. I don't look at Kenny Pickett as a guy who can outlast Lamar Jackson, yeah. Sean Watson, Joe Burrow. You're you know? only going to go and as far as your quarterback will take you anymore. I mean, maybe Tennessee, yeah. we'll see where they go. But I really don't think that they, they make a long – they don't have that killer, okay, I'm down by – Six in the fourth, like, let's go. Like, they have, I mean, Henry's probably the best running back, one of the best running backs. Chubb, I think, is maybe the best. Um, But he's one of the best running backs in the league. But still, I feel like you need to have that quarterback that can compete at the end, that Josh Allen, that Patrick Mahomes, you know, somebody like that, Josh Burrow, or Joe Burrow, sorry. And if you don't have that quarterback, the way to win football games is to, rush the quarterback, cover their playmakers, your corners. You know, Steelers' pressure rates, I think 30th in the NFL. They're not getting any pressure on the quarterback. They haven't had a quality corner on their team since uh, Ike Taylor, I I would say. Um, I guess Joe Hayden had a couple years, but he wasn't like a game changer the way he was in Cleveland. in, In this past game against Cincinnati, I was listening to Madden on the radio, um, before I got home, and he was saying that Joe Burrow's uh, QB rating against Arthur Mallette, uh in the past game was one thirty or what one thirty five or something like that, um, and his uh, QB rating against Cam Sutton was like one hundred five, one hundred three, or something like that. Like that, there have not been shut down corners. Like like you were saying, Joe Hayden was a was a solid cornerback, but the Steelers have been so like used to trash that we're like, oh, okay. Like that abusive boyfriend you've had, okay, now this guy doesn't hit you, so he seems okay. Like kind of like that. Like, okay, uh Joe Hayden doesn't suck like uh Artie Burns, like somebody like that. So he seems decent. Uh I think Ike Taylor was underrated because he didn't come away with a ton of interceptions, but he could shut people down. Uh, he would shut down like AJ Green and stuff. He AJ or uh, AJ Green was a solid receiver with Cincinnati. Uh, Ike was underrated, and he was a beast on some of these really good defenses. Um, but since then, I agree. And another underrated corner was uh, Mike Hilton, who they let walk, and now he's playing inside the division, playing well for the Bengals, one of the best slot corners in the game. And uh, just another thing in this game, like. You tend to forget, Bengals were down Jamar Chase, so rookie of the year, absolute stud receiver. Joe Mixon, Pro Bowl-level running back, goes down. And these guys that are replacing him just go off. Uh, P. Ryan, um, they couldn't contain him out of the backfield. Four catches, 52 yards, three touchdowns for P. Ryan. As well as on my fantasy bench. Yeah. (laughs) T. Higgins catching nine balls for 148. Like, the Steelers have no big play potential and they allow big plays. <laughs> their only way of winning football games is to hold their opponent to under 20 points, maybe under 17. And they're just not doing that. Mm-hmm. And they're not putting up points on the board. I mean, they put up 30 this week, which was w- way more than, than, than expected. But again, like I just don't see this as a real legit threat in the AFC North anywhere. And quite frankly, when I was looking at the standings, Houston's the worst team in the league, but we have a lot of teams tied at that three and seven range. 
Steelers should be picking anywhere from two to eight. So honestly, hopefully that they just lose a few and end up with the number two pick. Mm -hmm. Um, Going forward, we see uh, Colts next week. What are your, what are your thoughts on there with head coach Jeff Saturday Um, going forward with this season? What what kind of feelings are you getting for the Steelers? So the Steelers, um, this is a great game for them to get right to practice. And what I mean by that is I, I, I definitely disagree with the notion that you should ever lose on purpose or tank or any of that, even though I understand it will give you a better draft pick. Mm-hmm. But this is a game to get get on the right page. Um, Jeff Saturdays in his third career game as a head coach. Uh, Matt Ryan's like the least mobile quarterback in the league. Colts have a struggling offensive line. This is a game for the young guys to build some confidence. What I mean by that is, well, if it's close the game, let's see what Kenny Pickett can do in the two-minute drill. Let's see um, how our offensive line holds up in pass protection when we need to move the ball. Let's mm-hmm. see how well um, you know th- these corners can play against uh, wide receivers who aren't as dynamic. Um, so it, it, it's like a development game. If, if you lose it, I understand. Like We're not going to the playoffs anyway. I encourage playoffs. you to get out. Don't talk about playoffs. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's a get right game. I want them to take it as a learning experience. And uh, if you can't get the W, like I said, no, no biggie. You'll end up with an earlier draft pick. Get who you need. And uh, I don't know, just, just get out there and try to develop your guys and build some confidence. That's what I look at this week. Now... Steelers are still in last with net points, as we like to talk about on the Sports Extra every week, minus 74. But I'll tell you what, there is a team closing in on them, JP. Do you know which team that is? Denver? Uh, No, Denver's only minus 24. They're not even the worst in their division. The Chargers have less net points at minus 31. Um, so if it's not them, who, who, who would it be? Uh, Houston. Houston is at, yes, Houston is at minus 71. Steelers are at minus 74. Um, yeah. Houston is always referred to as a dumpster fire, but the Steelers this year, I feel like, are even less exciting than Houston. Yeah, Houston at 1-8, and eight, Steelers 3-7, and seven, so it looks like Houston, as of now, will, will uh, retain the, the sweepstakes for the number one overall pick. But Rams, Rams 3-7, and seven, J.P., that that's an absolute surprise. Panthers three and eight. We knew they'd suck. I'm looking at all the last place teams. Bears three and eight. Although they seem way better uh, than like the Steelers would at, at that same mm-hmm. three and seven. Bay- Not uh, to mention the Saints traded their pick to the Eagles, so the Eagles will have the Saints pick, which is an early pick, and the Detroit will have their pick, which will be early, and the Rams pick, which is also going to be early. Okay, wait. The Eagles will have what? The I'm Saints sorry. Traffic. So they'll have the Saints first round pick, and then what will what were you saying about the other teams? The Rams. Uh, Lions have the Rams first pick too. Oh no way! So the the mm-hmm. Lions have their first pick and the Rams. So they may have two top ten picks, and Philly may have a top ten pick as well. That's crazy. That you would never think like the Rams. You you see the Rams first round pick going there, and you're like, oh okay, that'll be the twenty sixth at best. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now JP, if you had to guess who is the the best last place team. Who are you going with? Best last place team uh, by division. Yes. Isn't it so, at, so uh, Washington. Washington is six and or f- no. 
or uh, the Patriots? Now the Patriots on on this it says they're third place. They're they're six and four, and the Jets are six and four. Jets, so but Jets. I guess the Jets lost the tiebreaker or whatever. Those are both six mm-hmm. and four teams. Commanders at six and five. Okay. Yeah, yeah I saw the Commanders are actually uh, coming along nicely the past few weeks, and uh, AFC East has been a great division. We'll see how. The- what direction the Jets going from here after Zach Wilson's comments, which is probably the biggest slap in the face if you're anyone in that locker room. Yeah, for sure. Like, so yeah, it was, JP, tell everybody what, what uh, or at least give uh, the summary of what it was. Uh, yes, yeah, so Zach Wilson following the game was in a press conference after the 10-3 to loss where the Patriots won on a walk-off punt return, actually. And uh, he was asked if he takes any responsibility or blame for the loss since the defense only allowed three points. And then there's a special teams touchdown that they allowed. So they asked Zach Wilson if he takes any responsibility considering they only scored three points. And he said, no, he doesn't take any whatsoever. And that that alone is going to strike everyone in that locker room, players and coaches, with a nerve, not to mention, like, they were winning a few football games earlier in the year of Joe Flacco. Um, it's it's, like it's one of the things in pro sports, you see this with the captain in the NHL, like even even when you know that Aaron Rodgers, well, Aaron Rodgers is a bad example because Aaron Rodgers will throw anyone under the bus. But like you see these quarterbacks that'll, you know, they play a hell of a game or something, say Russell Wilson or somebody. And their defense lets them down. They're still taking that one. They're still okay. I'm I'm putting it on me, kind of thing. Even when everyone knows it's not the case, it's kind of like it, it goes with the uh, it goes with the with the position. And like I was yeah, saying, he, you see Sidney Crosby take that on. Oh, I'm the you know I could have done this better or whatever. It's always we not pointing the fingers. Mm-hmm. And even when Baltimore lost in the AFC title game with that Billy Cundiff missed field goal a few years back. Um, Ray Lewis came out and said, we lost it as a team. And, like, that's what you have to say to be a leader, especially for a quarterback. And not to mention, your team scored three points. You're the quarterback. You didn't put the ball in the end zone. Of course, part of that loss is on you. I think that's almost more egregious because, like, your job as an offense is to score points. You didn't. And if you want to blame the special teams for the loss or the defense, like, the special teams also score the only points. Like, the offense didn't do anything. And as a quarterback... You even if you put up forty points, and and the defense allows forty one, you're like, yeah, we should have scored forty two. Like that's what quarterbacks do. Not okay, yeah, no, no, we didn't let them down. Whatever. Like it's just, uh, I I think it's a lack of maturity kind of thing, or not caring, or whatever it is. Um, I I, I don't have a lot of faith in him to you know. He doesn't seem like he's uh you know guys people will break down the wall to go play for the Dan Campbell kind of guy. No, and like I said, I feel like the team would rally around Joe Flacco. That's a guy that's won a Super Bowl. He hasn't been as, you know, um, he hasn't won the football games that he's won in his time in Baltimore, but he's a leader. He's mature. Zach Wilson's not. I'd never trusted his play coming out of BYU when he played tougher competition there. I don't think the game would translate to the NFL, but a lot of guys love the natural intangibles. But also the attitude there, like if if you're Sauce Gardner or Quentin Williams on that team, I would be furious after hearing those comments. Like we did everything as a defense, we didn't allow us. We we allowed a field goal team or special teams allowed a touchdown. That's ten total points, and you can't score fourteen point two touchdowns or just 
one touchdown in a field goal overtime in any capacity whatsoever. That, that, that that's on Wilson. That's that that's pathetic. And I, I put the blame like last year when Roethlisberger said that's Tomlin's job. No, part of being a quarterback is being a leader, taking the responsibility, taking part of the blame. And, like, you're going to rub everyone in the locker room the wrong way when you don't put any blame on yourself. JP, like, with, with when it comes to quarterbacks taking the blame, is there anybody in sports, media, in sports, writing, even an intelligent listener, and I think a lot of Pittsburgh listeners know at least enough, is anyone actually putting the blame on the quarterback if they take the blame like in in a position that they don't need to like it's just part of it you just do that as a quarterback in the NFL as a leader and not taking that i th- i feel like you can only do bad like you if you take that and 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 you did do poorly then people respect you for that and if you didn't do poorly they know that you you played well enough mm-hmm. it's just part of the position and i feel like doing that you can only do worse for and that defense only doing that, I feel like it's it's spitting in their face. And is there a better rookie on defense than Sauce Gardner this year, JP? Uh, in my opinion, Sauce Gardner is definitely the defensive rookie of the year. Um, I was surprised that Houston passed on him actually to get Derek Stingley, who had who had a great freshman year, then all question marks throughout the rest of his collegiate career. Um, in my Sauce Gardner. I think a lot of like his play and confidence rubs off not only on him, but the entire team jets have been impressive as a defensive group all year. And like I said, they're six and four. No one thought they'd be in that position. And uh, like we said, the lack of leadership on Zach Wilson's parts where you saw some decline in that team, just in general, they were uh, playing better when Joe Flacco was under center. And then when Wilson comes in, they're scoring less points. They're less competitive. And, uh, but like, I feel like the real leader on that team is this rookie and sauce Gardner and, uh, you know, uh, Quentin Williams and a lot of these younger guys, Bruce Hall, his injury doesn't help by any means, but I feel like what they need is like a real adult, let's say at quarterback. And then your defense <laughs> is set. Like you got a great, great rookie in sauce Gardner. I think you could say that it's, we see this influx right now of these great young corners. That's really exciting. And uh, Sauce Gardner, J.C. Horn, uh, Pat Sertan seconds my favorite. But you see these guys. Uh, I'm excited for a lot of these young corners, and I think Sauce is really the the real deal here. He's my. I'd give him defensive rookie of the year this year. Yeah, uh, he's he's incredible. He's a big body too. You don't see somebody that long at cornerback so much in the NFL. What is he like six two? Like he's a big body. Mm-hmm. He has all the confidence in the world for a rookie, too. He's he's going to be one of the best players in this league for years to come. He's already one of the, the better corners in the league. Yeah. Yeah, so like I said, I feel like the top ten corners, five of them, maybe more, maybe like, let's say, like three years pro or less. Yeah. It shows, yeah. like, how much youth. And, and, like, you see that in the running back position, too. Like, mm-hmm. you don't have to have that high pedigree, which is why a lot of people question the Najee Harris pick. Mm-hmm. Well, you see this influx of all these great young quarterbacks in recent years with the, the trends Mahomes really set with Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, all these great younger quarterbacks. And then you see these great young receivers coming into the point where defenses don't really have a way to adapt. 
And now we're seeing this generation of corners coming up who I think had to adapt their game at a younger age in high school and at the collegiate level to where now you're seeing guys who grew up facing, you know, playing corner on receivers that they know they can't hit, that they can't hold, they have to cover a certain way. How to cover against a quarterback who can throw a football this way and develop, um, you know, just kind of more of the 21st century style of football. It really, it's so hard to be a corner in today's NFL. And I feel like finally we're seeing some guys who could help even out the playing field, so to speak, when it comes to the, the great receipt, like the guys that can finally line up against a Justin Jefferson or, yeah. or Jamar Chase. Well, you you kind of see that, that the NFL keeps changing the rules kind of to favor the offense, to favor scoring, to favor the fantasy numbers and things like that. And mm-hmm. you are, you're seeing that kind of thing where it's like, in the X games, like people can do whatever. And then when somebody breaks that, Oh, I can do a backflip on a motorcycle. Then everyone can do it kind of thing. Um, you, you see these guys like, okay, now I see what the new game is. This is what I need to do. Now that I know how to do this, now I can do whatever it needs. I feel like the offense kind of changes the game and it takes a year or two, um, or a couple of years, whatever to have that new style of defensive back. And he's incredible. Yeah, I just I love his game right now, and I think he could very well. He's not the best corner right now, but I think in a year from now, he very easily could be. And if he's not, it's going to be uh, uh, Pat Sertan or uh, another one like AJ Terrell, JC Horn. We we got a lot of great young corners, or whoever else is uh, kids in the NFL. Santi <laughs> Samuel Jr. <laughs> he's pretty good too, actually, and. Uh, Antoine Woodenfield's kids a safety, but he's dynamic too. Yeah, he he's he's actually really good. JP, let's get in your picks so we can talk some uh, stuff to do in Pittsburgh. So, sure. uh, are you ready to go? Mm-hmm. All right, let's go with number one. Number one, uh, Thanksgiving day game. Actually, we have here Buffalo and Detroit will be in the twelve thirty slot. The first game, home home not, game for Buffalo back in Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Heading back to Detroit. Um, <laughs> believe it or not, I'm going to take Detroit this week at home. They are a plus nine and a half uh, team. <laughs> I was going to say when I heard that, I was like, it has to be double digits. I'm surprised it's not. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, I think it's too many points right now. Um, and there's only two games all year where the Lions have lost by a margin larger than that spread. And Lions are competitive, actually, in most of their games this year. They're ninth in total points scored. Uh, defense has been a letdown, but on the contrary, since Josh Allen hurt his elbow, uh, Buffalo hasn't been as explosive either. Um, and uh, Detroit has a very good offensive line. People don't give them the credit they deserve, and I think they'll be able to limit the Bills' uh, pass rush. Um, Bills were without Gregory Rousseau or Tremaine Edmonds last week, so I think they'll be questionable heading in here. Um, and... Uh, Funny stat that no one really noticed this year. Lions and Bills are tied in total touchdowns scored all year. What? Yeah. So, yeah, the Lions. Are Detroit, like, secretly really good? Or are the Bills just. Well, they remain competitive in pretty much every game, but they allow a lot of points. They do score a lot of points. Um, Does that make the Lions a good team to take with points then? That's the way I'm looking at it. With nine and a half, I'm taking it. I 
they're kind of trending up and Buffalo's kind of trending down right now. So I, I like Lions with the points. Buffalo wins outright, but I like Detroit with the points. And uh, they're at home, and Goff's actually much better at home than away. Um, when he's at home, he has 13 touchdowns to just two interceptions. And when he's on the road, he only has two touchdowns to four interceptions. Hmm. So I, I like Detroit to win with the points, but Buffalo to win outright. That's one of those things that when you hear like at home, he's this and at away, he's like this, but like, how much is it like, and away they play the chiefs and the bills and then home they play the Steelers. Like, I feel like there's a little bit more to it than that, but that's definitely interesting to hear that JP. Let's go to number two. I were going to say on Thanksgiving, we'll take um, the giants in Dallas. Uh, play this week. I'm going to take the Giants, who are also get nine and a half points. Nine um, and a Detroit half is or yeah or Dallas. I meant it's just coming off a blowout victory against the Vikings. I don't see them uh, performing that way in back to back weeks. Giants are banged messing up, up my entire parlay. <laughs> I, I, I see the Giants though with uh, like they're still like a, a seven and three football team. They're very competitive. I think uh, Dexter Lawrence and uh, Leonard Williams in the interior defensive line can wreak havoc for Dallas. Um, both teams r- are run first, too, um, with Pollard and Zeke and Dallas and Saquon Barkley and with the Giants. So kind of like what I said about the Panthers and Ravens last week, I feel like the spread's kind of too big for the game script, which is going to be run first heavy. And uh, this is also a divisional game, nine and a half. For a division game where teams have the same record, that's crazy to me. I'm going to take the Giants. All righty then. Uh, and then the final Thanksgiving game for anybody interested is New England at Minnesota at 8:20. I don't know if you planned on doing that one, but if we were talking about Thanksgiving games, I figure we might as well let everybody know. JP, let's go to number three. So, side note, I was thinking about that third game, the Patriots and Vikings, because it's a primetime game for Cousins. And Cousins is 0-2 against the Pats in his career. And uh, he turns the ball over much more frequently in primetime. So, if you're looking to win some money, Patriots' money line might be a good bet to take if you're looking to be risky. I didn't put it as one of my picks, but that's just kind of a, a side note for you. Yeah. Um, however, my, my uh, third pick of the week... I haven't taken Tampa Bay much this year, but I'm going to take them this week against uh, Cleveland. Tampa Bay is minus three. Um, and the Bucks are coming off a bye week. Brady's 15-5 and five in his career following a bye. And uh, I think it's a, it's a get-right game for Tampa Bay, who's been banged up all year. But they're coming off two consecutive wins. I think their confidence will carry them over. And uh, Bucks have actually allowed the fifth-fewest passing yards as a defense, despite their struggles. And the Browns struggle significantly against the run. So I think Tampa Bay will be able to run the football and then use the pass game to complement it very well. Um, Cleveland still has Jacoby Brissett for his final week here. I think they're kind of phasing into the Deshaun Watson era. So we'll see how they prepare against Tampa Bay. Nick Chubb is explosive. But outside of him, I don't see a whole lot of playmakers for Cleveland. Amari Cooper's coming off a big week, but he's been relatively inconsistent and Tampa Bay has a pretty solid secondary. I think Tampa Bay is the better team. I like them to win by over a field goal here. How crazy is it that Tom Brady, you said 15 and five after Mm -hmm. bye weeks. That means he's had 20 bye weeks. That's insane. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's crazy just to think like so many different eras he's played in. Like, and, yeah, like there's probably so if there's anyone that will be prepared, it's him. I mean, there there's like guys on his team who have uh, what he's played longer than they've been alive, right? Or at least pretty close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I feel like he's been playing longer than like I think Juju's been alive. That's insane. That's absolutely yeah, insane. JP, a lot of, mm-hmm. very quickly. What what's your overall take on Tampa Bay? Are they going to be a contender with Brady this year? They'll be a contender because their division isn't very good, and if, so they'll definitely get in as a four seed at, at the worst. And uh, honestly, what if they make a run here? Like, what if they get a first round game against Daniel Jones? I like Brady over Daniel Jones. What if they go on from there to play uh, the Vikings? Mm-hmm. I like Brady more than Kirk Cousins. Yeah, you know, I I feel like they have a pathway of getting to. You like that? You like that? <laughs> He's one and in the playoffs against Jalen Hurts. You know, uh, Seattle. What, what what if he plays Daniel Jones, then Geno Smith, then Kirk Cousins? Yeah, I mean that that's a pathway. I, I feel <laughs> like if I think it's very doable that Tampa Bay has the best quarterback heading into the playoffs, and if you have the best quarterback, you always have a chance. I. I... <laughs> It's one of those things where it's like if you give him a chance to get in, like are you really going to bet against Brady until he, he shows you otherwise? Like the playoffs are a different animal. Like if I had to go against Brady in the regular season versus in the playoffs, like I feel like I, I take that as a quarterback differently. I like them situationally better than any other NFC team when it comes to playoff football as well. All right, let's go to – I'm on the wrong page on my sound drops. Let's go to – Number four. Number four. Uh, Bengals got that big win against the Steelers. I'm going to take them again this week against Tennessee. Cincinnati is minus one and a half. So this is essentially an even game. But I, I think Cincinnati is a bit more explosive than Tennessee. Tennessee, they're very well coached and they're good on their scripted plays where they just want to pound you of Derrick Henry. But I think the high-powered offense of the Bengals, Jamar Chase, could be in line to return. Um, high-powered offense, I think, will force the Titans to get out of their game script and force Tannehill to throw the ball more. Um, as a matter of fact, Titans have actually allowed the fifth-most passing yards as a defense, and the Bengals are third in total touchdowns. I think um, it's going to be tough for Tennessee to keep up if Cincinnati can get rolling and uh, – it's essentially a money line game, and I think yeah. despite going on the road, Cincinnati's a more explosive team than Tennessee. They beat them last year in the playoffs, and I just think they're the better team. And with a spread that little, give me Burrow and Jamar Chase and all those guys against Tennessee. Do you like Vrabel as a coach overall? Is he impressed you more than you thought you would like him? I mean, because Tennessee's been a contender every year. Yeah, I, I love Vrabel. I think he's a great coach. I just feel like they've kind of struggled at finding a real quarterback. And uh, honestly, outside of Derrick Henry, what kind of like Pro Bowl guys do they have? I mean, AJ Brown's no longer there, and they're still winning football games. They have wide Jeffrey receivers Smith that block. Good. What was that? They have wide receivers that block and stuff. Like they they know their secondary. Like running back is king there, but they do it the right way. Right, right. I, I think. I mean, he won Coach of the Year last year, and I feel like. He could be a contender. He won't win it this year, but I feel like he should be a contender, all things considered. Coach of the Year is one of those things where, like, if you win it, then you won't win it again because they're like, okay, you're a good coach now. Right. Well, yeah, that's how it is. And, like, Belichick could have won it 
12 times. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, okay, yeah. it's boring, so let's give it to Sean McVay. Right. Or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Sean McDermott or Sean Payton, anyone named Sean. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think Vrabel's just been sensational. I feel players love him. If it came down to, like, a fight or any coach that's willing to get on the field to defend a player, it's Vrabel and Mike or in Dan Campbell. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think Vrabel, Vrabel's more intelligent too than Campbell. I feel like he just, he gets football and he's, he, he has that, he has like the respect of the players because he's a former player that was a pro bowl level guy and he's an intelligent coach. I think that Vrabel. And Vrabel won job. what? Three Super Bowls at least. And he was, yeah. a, and the thing with Vrabel that he gets, cause he'll get remembered more is he was that linebacker that played offense. Yeah, yeah. He has all the credibility in the world to be a head coach. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he absolutely has the respect. Let's go to... Uh... Number five. Last pick here. All right, I'm going to take who I think should win Coach of the Year up in Seattle. Pete Carroll would be my pick for Coach of the Year, and I'm going to take Seattle this week. They're minus three and a half, which is a scary spread sometimes, but they're playing uh, Las Vegas. Vegas has just been a mess all year. They're coming off a win, and they're heading to Seattle. Not to mention, uh, Seattle's uh, coming off a bye week, so they have extra time to prepare. Um, There's no way Vegas goes in and wins against the 12th man in Seattle with with their team. (laughs) That's the way I'm looking at it. Well, they don't win. Uh, Maybe, uh, do they keep it within three and a half? I'm with you. I don't think Seattle keeps it close, at least within that close. I know three and a half is a scary spread because I could see Seattle winning on a field goal, but I think the 12th man is going to be a huge issue. Um, Devontae Adams, I mean, you just got to cover this guy, put two or three guys on him because they're not doing anything well offensively in the past game outside of him. Um, Josh Jacobs having a good year, but I think this young young Seattle team is just rallying around Carroll. I love the 12th man at home. Raiders are actually last in the NFL in sacks and takeaways while Seattle is sixth in total points. Um, Seattle just knows they have something to play for. Vegas really doesn't. I think that Vegas is just having a down year, and it just seems like the coaches, players, owners, like they all know that this is just kind of a wash of a year and an underachieving year, if anything. And uh, the the <laughs> craziest stat I found is, Raiders, like I said, are last in sacks, but get this. They have 13 total on the year, and Max Crosby has nine. Wow. <laughs> wow. Max Crosby's a beast, but, like, that's a lot. They have Also, that, that kind of sucks for 13. <laughs> they have four times where they dropped the quarterback that wasn't through Max Crosby. <laughs> <laughs> All year. All year. Oh my God! They're they're Seattle playing ten games, got, yeah, ten games, and that's happened. Mm-hmm. That's okay. crazy. Also, I think Seattle winning six games or six and four right now. They've already won more games than I expected them to. Yeah, that's why. Pete so Carroll hell of a job for Seattle. Year. Like seriously, <laughs> like serious. I I would put Geno Smith in the Pro Bowl this year. He's played at a sensational level and. And quite frankly, you you asked about Sauce Gardner, who's my rookie of the year. Kenneth Walker's my other rookie of the year. He's just running been, back. Yeah, the best running back in football since taking over the starting job, you could argue. Lockett and Metcalf, great, great guys receiver and 
Abraham Lucas and uh, Charles Cross are just two sensational rookie offensive tackles. JP, I, I, with with, with Seattle, with Seattle, Geno Smith's kind of one of those guys that like came in as like a higher pick and it didn't really pan out for him. Looking at Seattle now, like you were saying with Metcalf, with uh, uh, Baldwin, um, mm-hmm. with with, with uh, yeah, sorry, Jesus yeah, Christ, lock <laughs> I'm like lock it with some of these guys. Like they have some solid players who I don't think the playoffs will be too big for them. I could see them making a little bit of a push. Yeah, uh, Noah Fant, Will Disley at tight end, um, speedster Marquise Goodwin as a wide receiver. They have some. I guys could see them play. winning a playoff game. Yeah, like it's offensive line, but I expect Gabe Jackson's there too, a veteran. Geno Smith's making all, all the right throws. Um, Did I say we'll Doug Baldwin? Jeez, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doug Baldwin also was very, very underrated back in his day. One it's, of the best route runners of that decade. Seattle's had a lot of kind of good receivers that aren't great, but like kind of fly under the radar. Right. That's I, I, I'm a huge Tyler Lockett fan. I've been eyeing him in fantasy, no joke, for like six years since the first year I've ever gotten him. But yeah, I, I, I love what uh, they're doing as a team. They're just outperforming everybody, exceeding expectations. Geno Smith admitted when he was younger, he was immature. He didn't really care for studying. He had like an issue where I think he punched like he got punched by a teammate when he was with the Jets is like rookie year or second year. But then he said, come in here to Seattle. He's really just like he's really toned it down. And uh, even you hear from all these guys like Lockett and these other guys, they say it's amazing what we can accomplish when all the uh, Credit doesn't go to one guy. So this team's been taking some jabs at Russell Wilson ever since he's left. Yeah. And maybe in a weird way, Russell Wilson's been holding them back. And now that they have a quarterback in Geno Smith who just only cares about winning the football games, they're mm-hmm. playing better because of it. They're playing as a team kind of thing. Right. Yeah, kind of the underdog mentality. They don't expect us here. Let's play as a team. Uh-huh. And they're – this – all, all offseason, you hear best division in football. I wonder who will win it, just not Seattle. Right. And they're winning the division. They're, they, they've been incredible. Um, they also have the, the, the Cola secondary with uh, Michael Jackson and Kobe Bryant. <laughs> 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 Names like that. Um, but no, they're just, they've been great. It's um, like you created a fantasy draft with just obscure players. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I also, I'm looking at their depth chart now. I, I, I take back everything I said. <laughs> They're playing well strictly as I see listed with the third strings and cornerbacks so and more likely a sixth string maybe, but the addition of Artie Burns to this <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, my God. Okay, Artie, <laughs> is Artie Burns playing? <laughs> He's on the team. I know that. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, so, that, yeah. that does skew. <laughs> Seattle was going to be minus six, but Artie Burns is on the roster, so now they're just minus three and a half. <laughs> if they would just cut him now, they'd be the Super Bowl favorite. <laughs> <laughs> but they're playing at this level, and Jamal Adams, who they gave up two picks for, an all-pro safety, has been on the IR all year, too. Like, they're, they're just playing good football, and uh, i like them to win this week against... They're literally the opposite of Vegas. Vegas was supposed to be what Seattle was this year, and Seattle was supposed to be what Vegas was this year. Well, I One don't know. team is overachieving and the other one's underachieving. Give me Seattle this week. Absolutely. This is a hungry team. 
Absolutely. Any given Sunday, JP. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know what? Thank you for your picks. Uh, anything else you want to add on to, or can we go over uh, some stuff to do in Pittsburgh? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's just stuff to do in Pittsburgh. Let's let's hear it. Absolutely. Hello, it's Britta back to wish you a happy Thanksgiving and tell you how to spend your long holiday weekend. This first event is for children of all ages. The Santa Trolley returns to the Pennsylvania Trolley Museum starting November 25th at 9 a.m. Guests will board a beautifully restored streetcar to meet the Santa Claus and all of his friends. Be sure to bring your camera to snap a few pics. Plus, you can enjoy the museum and children can do a holiday craft while everyone enjoys a complimentary hot chocolate and cookies. Calling all plant moms, head over to Sly Fox Brewing at the High Line for plants and pints on Friday. Your ticket allows you to make a succulent terrarium, plants and soils provided, a complimentary drink, and tips for how to care for your new babies. All ticket sales will benefit Imagine Further Collective, a nonprofit with the mission of creating access to mental health services for youth across the city of Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh's own The Clarks will be rocking out at Jurgles Rhythm and Grill on Friday night. Come out, enjoy some food, and jam out to these local legends. And lastly, we cannot forget about Small Business Saturday. There are two fantastic opportunities to shop small, starting with the Black Label Market at Hotel Indigo. You can find candles, jewelry, wine, and more. And we also have the Farmer's Market and Vendor Fair in Washington, PA, two perfect occasions to get holiday presents or maybe treat yourself. For all the details on these events, check out our weekend guide. Happy Thanksgiving, Yins, guys. We love you. Well, there you have it, everybody. The wonderful right. ladies from Stuff to Do in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Chris, when's the last time you rode the trolley? The trolley. I don't remember ever riding a trolley. <laughs> trolley but, museum. That sounds pretty cool. I didn't know that was like a, a thing. Pennsylvania Trolley Museum. You know what? I uh, when I was living in Beaver, there was a there was a train station there that they use as a, um, like a wedding reception and stuff. But they have a little thing out there with a with a like a train museum kind of thing. It's pretty cool. I was thinking it was it was this. It's uh, November twenty fifth, nine a.m. Five bucks, Pennsylvania. Trolley Museum. Is that the one that sticks out to you the most, JP? I mean, I heard uh, the whole thing. There was a guest there was like, what, like Santa Claus and some things would be there. It'd be cool for like kids, I I think. That'd be fun if you were 10. You know, I feel like, well, nowadays I feel like believing in Santa Claus is more realistic than believing in trolleys. I haven't seen a trolley. (laughs) Like, (laughs) In years. Um, JP, what's the what's the last age you remember believing in Santa? Uh, Spoiler alert for any kids listening. <laughs> <laughs> I may have been like kindergarten, first grade. I don't know. I feel like I was pretty early on. Like I feel like I may have ruined that for other kids when I was like a kid. <laughs> like, <Santa laughs> you were that so. kid. Yeah, I, I was like, I was like, a, a real <laughs> yeah. I, I what a fool! <laughs> A real Scrooge. <laughs> I, I can remember, like, not believing and, like, being cool because I didn't believe. And in reality, you just pissed off the other kids. You're the, you're the Christmas nihilist. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I, I would say probably, like, maybe six or seven. Oh, shit. That's pretty young, man. Yeah. I, I'm not sure, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, yeah. But, yeah, anytime, I guess, you, you'd see Santa, I guess, is that. Uh... Do you remember going and sitting on Santa's lap? 
I don't think I've ever done that. There's no way there's been a kid who hasn't sat on Santa's lap. You, mu- you must just I not like remember. I would have been too afraid or too shy to have done that as a kid. Yeah. I feel like if you're young enough, you, they just put you on when you're like four and you don't even realize it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get on the JP, this year is the year. Santa Trolley, man. November twenty fifth, nine AM. Only five bucks. And I'll tell you what, I'll cover your I'll cover your cover fee. You go sit on Santa's lap. It's it's the year it happens. You know what? That would be amazing. <laughs> I, I will love to sit on Santa's lap this year. Tell him everything I want. I'll tell you what, I will pay a hundred dollars if it means you have to sit on <laughs> Santa's lap that many times. <laughs> That would be amazing. What I really want is his sled that travels around the world in four hours. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, absolutely. Are you, are you, JP? Quickly before we 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 change subject, best Christmas movie. Oh, best Christmas movie. I didn't. Let's, I I feel like Home Alone two is kind of what I see the most, but I don't know if it's the best. But that one comes to mind. I also loved. Uh, it's one of those where it's like, okay, it's not. Oh, it's a wonderful life. So it's not like a class. As but it's far, consistent. It's it's very it's it's a new it's a new age, I guess. Yeah, and, and we're we're also going with like, as far as like, are you judging it based on what you think like the the critics would think or how much you enjoy it? Because I'd much rather watch Home Alone 2 than a ton of movies. And I was talking, right. I believe it was to Trevor Austin when he came on the show, about sequels that are better than the original. And I was saying Mighty Ducks D2 is better than the original. Uh, I want to get your opinion on that shortly. But I also believe uh, that one. Uh, yeah, Home Alone 2 is great. Might but, be better. Uh, Lost uh, in New York. Uh, 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 Christmas Story is definitely the best. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it's classic. Well, classic it's it's one of those things, and, and the thing that it did is it, uh, TBS or whatever runs it for 24 hours, so it's, like, impossible to get away from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I It's consistent. It's always funny. And it, 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 it's an easy watch, and I feel like any kid from any generation can appreciate it. Did you see the sequel that came out? <laughs> no, and I don't intend to. It was, it's, like, uh, shot over the summer, right? I, I don't I don't know anything about it. I just saw it when I turned my TV on. It's like a smart TV, and it has uh, Ralphie or whatever. I can't remember what his name. Peter Billingsley, I think, is his name. Um, but yeah, he, yeah. I guess, is the dad in it. But JP, did you know Peter Billingsley is like a writer or a director kind of thing? Like he he has some credits that are pretty solid outside of uh, um, a Christmas Story. Yeah, I knew it was kind of like behind the scenes because that's the only thing I've seen him in outside of some so, some like sci fi budget horror film i saw called Ar- arcade by uh full moon the guys who made puppet master um they, they made a big yeah. <laughs> obviously i they think made, everybody listening knows who exactly <laughs> yeah they're like you mean the guy that made arcade <laughs> <laughs> but no no arcade was it, it was solid it was like in the early late 80s early 90s like film like that that's where you're into it was it was pretty good but obviously like peter billingsley I thought he was in it, and so was uh, Seth Green, actually. Okay, so, so Peter Billingsley is a producer for a movie you may have heard of called Iron Man. He's also a producer for Spider-Man Far From Home, wow. Four Christmases, uh, to, to get on uh, the, the Christmas things. I'm interested in his, uh, his credits. He has some di- directorial ones. Sullivan and Son, uh, Pittsburgh's wow. own uh, – God, 
Oh my god, I can't think of his name. Well, who's who's in Sullivan and Son, JP? Steve Byrne. Steve Byrne. Um Sullivan and Son directing that. Um but yeah, no, he has uh Iron Man. He's uh he's a pr- producer on that. But yeah, no, he he's definitely still uh relevant in Hollywood, but Yeah, I yeah. heard he was like a big deal kind of behind the scenes, but I didn't know he did Iron Man or Yeah, I didn't know like exactly <laughs> what movies he did. But yeah, that's it's a big deal. Ralphie. Oh, JP. Let me talk to you about this quickly, and then we'll talk about some of the other stuff in Pittsburgh, and then we'll wrap this up. But it's pertinent because we were just talking about Mighty Ducks D2. Now, I'm sure you're familiar with um, Jesus Christ, uh, Iceland, um, Gunnar Stahl. And then he's, oh, yeah, of he, course, the, the greatest uh, fictional athlete of all time. Gunnar Stahl from Iceland is also uh, Scooter from Mighty Ducks D3 at Eden Hall. The goalie. Mm-hmm. Now, JP, I was clicking. I was I was checking him out the other day because I, I posted a reel dealing with D2. And, and I was talking about that with Trevor Austin on that show. Did you know that 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 Gunnar Stahl also voices Crash Bandicoot on Crash Bandicoot 4? Oh, whoa. I, I, I never would have guessed that. uh <laughs> Crash, Crash Bandicoot doesn't even really speak, though. Isn't it just, like, noises? It's just noises, but that is done by Gunnar Stahl. Gunnar Stahl. Wow. Yeah, man. It's one of those things that, uh, like, crawling down the Peter Billingsley IMDb hole, you you're, you know, you click on, um, Jesus Christ, I, I always said Gavin Rosdale. What the hell? You, you, you click on uh, <laughs> Gunnar Stahl, and uh, you find out all these things. I guess he does a lot of voiceover work on video games and stuff. You see him as, like, guard two. But, like, it's <laughs> on, like, big video games. It's, like, okay, Bank Teller on Grand Theft Auto Five. It's, like, he's, like, actual people, but he does a lot of voiceover stuff. But I think that's interesting. Gunnar Stahl, cool. that everybody remembers him as. Uh, check him out. He hasn't stopped working on voiceover. I was going to say, that's a good backup plan. If he would have gone stick side on Jolie the Cat Gaffney, he would have gone to the NHL, but I guess that was a pretty good backup plan. Hey, who knows? It's it's crazy. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. But you I feel know. like Gun- Gunnar Stahl, if you look watch the movie and calculate how many goals he scores, he's probably top 10 all time in real life in Iceland NHL goal scorers. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> like yeah. Before. I feel like, like I, don't, I don't really know any big names from Iceland. It's weird that they picked them to be like the powerhouse, not Canada or, or Russia. Russia. Yeah, like those are the big three. Those are it's Canada, Russia, and the United States. And then like Finland and Sweden kind of come in just to be cute with <laughs> Peter Forsberg, but like you're not really a contender. <laughs> Slovakia or something like that. What if Iceland was just juggernauts at junior hockey but didn't really yeah. care at all about they, the they peak at 14 years old yeah <laughs> and then they become vikings yeah. <laughs> uh but <laughs> let's get back to uh stuff to do in pittsburgh real quick uh that that sums up santa trolley uh we also have plants and pipes succulent terrarium workshop i'm a big fan of this succulent jp you like you like a small plant i like a terrarium it's fun on occasion, but I feel like it can get boring pretty quickly. <laughs> on occasion, you like a terrarium? Uh, you know, I, I could get, get, take it or leave it. <laughs> yeah. <to> speak. <laughs> it's uh, not really my my uh, first thought when I wake up in the morning. Yeah, no. It's, it's interesting. The terrarium, the the basically the indoor aquarium, or the non-water aquarium, 
uh, for for snakes and and spiders and stuff. JP, I remember in middle school, or maybe it wasn't middle school. It was probably elementary school. Uh, that shady side, we would take a take home uh, animals from the from the science area. Like from the mm-hmm. science room, there was like a fair. There was you know gerbils or whatever had what have you. And I lived the closest to the school, so they'd give us animals a lot. So I remember the one year we had a uh, we had a ferret that we would watch over the summer. We watched a tarantula named Harriet, and it had a terrarium. Um, I like the terrarium over the aquarium. JP, what are you? What are you mm-hmm. more? I'm aquarium though. Oh, way. the terrarium's cool and all. Um, but if I'm getting the zoo, I, I, zoo or something, I feel like I, I, I love like, like the ocean life because it's something you're not going to be able to see, like every day. Not that you see a lizard anywhere by any means, yeah. but like I feel like being able to like discover something that's underwater that has not been related to something that you can see more clearly, like an octopus or sharks or something. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of like that vibe a, a little bit better. And I feel like aquariums generally just look better and. Like they smell better. Like there, there's something about like the smell of the terrarium that just you, throws me off. You know what's weird is that the terrarium I feel like has more dangerous animals in them. You have the the, the tarantula. You have like a scorpion would be in there, a snake. However, the evil boss or the evil genius in every movie has the aquarium over the terrarium. Maybe it's time they they shift focus because the evil boss always has the aquarium with a shark or with a, um, a manta ray or whatever, and they have the skinless cat. They're not the skinless, the hairless cat. I feel like the terrarium. You have like a I don't know a, a komodo dragon or something. That's intimidating. Not to mention like just using an animal like that to attack the guy you're fighting who's also on land. It's not like hey, let me throw you in this pit of water or. Let me try to trick you so you fall here with the shark. It's like, no, I could just throw this scorpion at you and scorpion's gonna kill you. It's it's a long way. It's it's a it's a mental kind of torture too. Because it's like not right away, but it's gonna happen eventually. I could see like some like desert themed like levels on video games or something. I oh no, I guess you kind of see like a blend of both. <laughs> it's a stupid conversation to have. Now, JP, uh, November twenty fifth, we have the Clarks in Pittsburgh. Uh, favorite Clark sar- song? It's uh, in Jurgles, fifty nine dollars. Favorite Clark song for me is probably uh, I don't know a whole lot, but I'd say "Born Too Late." Yeah, classic. Um, <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> Vincent, will you teach me how to paint? I'm not like a. Sh- Jimmy Low type of guy. Oh yeah, no. Penny yeah. on the floor can pound salt. I, I was actually going to ask you: Are you more of a Clark's guy or a Rusted Root guy? Oh, see, I feel like Rusted Root has the one hit, but it's so high, so it's like, like they they have the one song, but it's like an A, but like the Clarks have a bunch of C. C's. Yeah, but that that was gonna be my take too. Was that the Clarks probably have better overall discography and songs? But I go Rusted Root, dude. Rusted Root is in national movies. It's in it's in Ice yeah. Age and things. It's in yeah. a ton of movies. Rusted Root. I go Rusted Root. I do too. I was gonna say I think that one hit surpasses it. You know. <laughs> you know, I I, I feel like Ch- Chumbawamba one yeah. hit, but it's. I give them more credit than some other groups that have multiple hits that just I don't really really like. Yeah, 
this garbage ones. Not that the Clarks are garbage. Definitely check them out at Jurgles. JP, have you ever gone to Jurgles? I've never been there, but it, it seems like a cool place, and a lot of people go there. Uh, they have some pretty solid acts. I, I, I've never been, but I think it'd be fun. Like I said, the Cl- Clarks would be fun to see. It'd be cool to see like a local band at some sort yeah. of place like that. Dude, I bet the it, Clarks it would, would put on be... a good show. I'm not hating on the Clarks by any means. I know they, they come out to Beaver County at Thursdays every year i think and i i work right down the street from that and that always gets a huge following clark's always yeah. get a good following they're they're a good local yeah. band but but by the way in high school pittsburgh history class and we did a pittsburgh a to z thing where you had to list from a to z obviously every letter in the alphabet something associated with pittsburgh for c i put the clarks and i never got credit why I don't know, and I, it's a Pittsburgh band. I don't think the teacher is familiar with what it is instead of asking me about it. Just got the question marked wrong. Yeah, but how do you mark that it. wrong? Like, do you even do any due diligence? Do you, do you Google that? Why well, Do you even ask the person, what is the Clarks? Because the Clarks, I'd argue, uh, is one of the bigger Pittsburgh bands of, of late. Yeah, I know. And, uh, I mean, I musically, we're not saying Donnie Iris or Brett Michaels, but, like, you know. Uh, uh, they're they're known. The Clarks. They've been on Conan, I believe. I, I deserve my credit. You know, that's that's exactly how I look at. It. I feel like I just knew something the teacher didn't know. Maybe she yeah. she uh, she gave you, she um, hurt you because you knew something she didn't know. Could be that, or maybe she just saw the Clarks and said, "There's no way this guy's getting credit because I don't like the Clarks or so." I, I I don't know, but. I, Clarks or Pittsburgh, and I, I deserve my point after all these years. I don't think you should stop. I think you should go back and uh, do something and, and talk about it, and then you can get an extra point, and then it won't change your GPA, and your life will be the same. But at least you'll yeah. waste a bunch of people's time. Yeah, maybe uh, the, the, the Yale scholarship I wanted to get, maybe <laughs> that uh, yeah, didn't pan out. JP, before we wrap this up, if you had to choose an Ivy League school to go to right now, which one do you go to? I go to Harvard because of the reputation. Yeah, strictly for yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you because I feel like it's like the oh, you went to Harvard kind of like it's it's like the cliche yeah. because it's the pinnacle. Like, okay, you went to Yale or Brown, cool, Dartmouth, Pound Salt. I went to Harvard. You know what I mean? Harvard's the coolest. Yale and Princeton are definitely like a-, a and B, and they're close to Harvard, but Harvard's Harvard. Harvard's A, yeah. then you go, and this is from somebody who has no chance of going to an Ivy League school, so we're ranking it just on an outsider's view. I go Harvard, and then I'm with you, like Yale, Princeton, kind of in there. Dartmouth's mm-hmm. kind of farther down with yep. uh, Brown and Penn. Yep. Pe- Although I, I feel Brown like Dartmouth's be- a little bit better than Brown and Penn, from just from an outsider's. Yeah, yeah, I think Penn's probably last in my just from what I, I in uh, I would put Columbia in there as well. Oh yeah, for sure. But I feel like Penn. Uh, maybe I'm thinking of just like athletic wise. Not that any of them are, uh, you know, you know, winning championships or whatever. But yeah, Harvard. I think I feel like Harvard's just like the cliche. Therefore, right. making it the best. Which yeah, you want your honorary degree from Harvard. Right, I, I could rock a Harvard sweater too. I think it would look cool. No, not not saying that. And <laughs> we're gonna get so off topic, and this is this podcast is gonna go on for two days. Um, but but it's always good talking to JP because a, a hypothetical always goes very well with him. 
JP, would you rather wear the, or maybe get the honorary degree plus you get the sweatshirt from Harvard or MIT? Oh, uh, I, I'm still going Harvard. I, I think Harvard's still got the sweet uh, sweater to go with it. MIT is cool too, but Harvard's Harvard. You know? Harvard's you Harvard, but I feel like MIT is like the, if you're in the know kind of guy. Yeah. But to me, yeah, Harvard's just, it's the pinnacle if I wanted to use a uh, college level word. Yeah. <laughs> Other than CCAC Boyce, I go, I go Harvard. <laughs> CCAC Boyce, by the way, would also be a cool sweater to rock. Like, that'd be a cooler sweater than Pitt to rock. <laughs> Who do you think wins in basketball, CCAC Boyce or Harvard? <laughs> I thought you were saying Pitt. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, was um, gonna, I had my joke. I was going to say Pitt by three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,. We long for the days of uh, Carl Krauser and Julius Page and Siobhan Troutman and uh, Chris Taft and Aaron Gray and, you know, the who's who, Chevy Troutman, if I didn't say him. Your boy, Mark McCarroll, Yuri Demetrius. <laughs> Such right. a great squad. JP. And then, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, uh, no, th- those games against Syracuse with Jerry McNamara. Dude, those were those were the classic. Those were the pinnacle of, of college basketball in Pittsburgh, in my opinion. And then everyone tried to like it when Ronald Ramon came, and it was kind of cool for like a day or two. And then after that, it was kind of nothing until Blair and Sam Young came. And after that, it's yeah. just been the best. Well, they played. They had, uh, yeah, no. It was like, uh, I'm trying to think. They had like Carl Krauser at point guard. And then they had uh, like Julius Page, uh, probably Chevy Troutman. Who else they have? Small forward. Who Jerron Brown? Yeah, they had, Jerron Brown. I think was a shooting guard. though. he was number four before Chev, or before uh, Ronald Ramon was four. But it was like I, uh, I think uh, Krauser ran point. They had uh, Julius Page for a year. They had a Tory Morris at center, right? Tory Morris at center, but they also had Aaron Gray. Um, Aaron Gray was after, I think. Tory Morris they had, uh, Taft was the other center. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. I think Taft was like power forward. He played with Aaron Gray, kind of overlapping uh power forward kind of uh center hybrid but yeah sam young and then you, then you had after uh krauser you had like levance fields yeah. uh who was a beast too gary um, mckee yeah oh i forgot about him he was he was like solid when he played but he wasn't on the same level as aaron gray he oh, wasn't yeah. on the same level as dewan blair by far dewan blair's the right. absolute beast i can't believe he even played center he was like he was like what six seven or six nine like he was a short center but he just pounded down low. I love Blair. I have a Blair jersey. Oh, he was great, and then he uh, flipped uh, Hashim to beat over his shoulder. <laughs> yeah, Hashim to beat was what the second overall pick. Yeah, the Washington Wizards. Yeah, and what nothing happened. Out of, I feel like I outweighed Hashim to beat, and he was a foot and a half taller than me. <laughs> Yeah, it didn't really pan out. He was Noah Mecca Okafor. Mecca Okafor. He he at least lasted with the Bobcats for a little bit. What's his name? For, uh, Charlie Villanueva from that UConn team. Uh, and even what? Uh, ben, uh, who was their point guard? Uh, Shane Battier played there, too. I don't know if he was after that. Ben Gordon? Is that who it was? Ben oh, Gordon? okay. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, he was a beast there, too. But I think a Mecca Okafor. Who else was there at, at UConn? Charlie Villanueva, I remember. When is is that who was there when uh, they won the championship? Yeah, Okafor and Villanueva, or who I remember specifically. I can't remember who the point guard was. They had a they had a pretty good guard. I can't remember who it was. I can't remember Ben Gordon went there or not. But 
JP, let's wrap this up. All right. Um, all right. I, I was going to say something, but I didn't. I was going to look up Ben Gordon, but I'll look that up off the air. But uh, JP, thank you for uh, joining me. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Tune in next Monday. David K is going to join us. We'll be back at 565. Cheech and uh, Shay, hopefully, will be there. Uh, hopefully, everybody's healthy. Everybody have a good Thanksgiving. JP, once again, thank you for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. Tune in every week for the Sports Extra with Sports Guy JP. And for JP, I am Chris. I'm going to say I'm so happy yeah. that I was allowed to be part of your day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We hope you had a good time. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the show to catch the latest episodes and share with your friends. We can't promise not to embarrass you. And if you just can't get enough, follow us on Instagram at Poor Man's Podcast 412, Twitter at Poor Man's Pod 412, and Facebook. This is Pittsburgh's own Poor Man's Podcast signing off. See you next week. Woo! You like that? You like that? You play to win the game.